poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. Today is a wolf edition, as I promised. I don't even know when that first episode was released. Uh, It feels like a lifetime ago, but maybe it was like a month and a half ago, maybe. Feels like so much has happened (laughs) for both of us in the last few months, just working on on wolf strats. Yeah, it's... Like I said, it feels like it was an eternity ago, but it could not have been more than six weeks ago, right? Um, and, and promise to follow up and yeah, just episodes along the way to keep up with the journey of the wolves, the journey of the program, lessons learned, pitfalls, all of the uh, you know ins and outs of starting a coaching for profit and rolling into a staking operation and. You know, I've given you free reign to compile questions. I've asked the village to give, you know, supply us with questions, what they want to know about the Wolf program. So, yeah, I'm going to turn it over to you. You can be Mr. Host of this episode. Take it away, John. It sounded like the most popular question or the thing that people wanted to uh, kind of know the most about was just kind of a, a brief description of who the wolves are, like, I guess we can just start with with how many of them are there. Um, you know, were they professional poker players before they joined Wolves? Uh, just kind of the basics. Yeah, so there are five. That was the amount that I wanted to bring on straight from the jump was five Wolves. Um, so there are five. Uh, two of them are professional poker players, and the other three, um, yeah, they have careers, day jobs, even families that they can still make wolf the the wolf program work in their lives but they're all aspiring to you know play poker professionally or generate a win rate that like gives them options in life if they so choose so yeah and uh, one commonality is that uh, four out of the five of them i coach them a lot over the past year like i'm very familiar with four out of the five and then the fifth the fifth one that came into the program is someone that I just like. I just think they're a good human being, and I think they're trustworthy. I think they're hardworking, and I think they're very intelligent. So even though I hadn't worked as intimately with him, it still made sense for the program. Um, just have a, you know, following my intuition, right? Following Patrick Leonard of like, you need to like the people that you bring into your coaching for profit or staking operation. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the five wolves. Um, you know, I haven't properly introduced them or who they are. Uh, I don't know exactly whether or not they want their identities revealed in a public way. Um, that's why I've instituted a somewhat questionable amongst the wolves policy of you know having like code names to speak about the wolves um, publicly, just because I think that like. 
when you publicize something, like there's a lot of added pressure in what they're doing, right? And I don't know that necessarily added pressure um, is ultimately beneficial to the guys in the Wolf program at this juncture, just because that they're under enough pressure learning the strategies, um, doing coaching, reviewing all their hands, kind of having every hand that they play uh, at the end of the month publicly displayed in the group, um, going through leak finding, all that sort of thing. I just don't think added pressure is beneficial to really any of them at this time. Yeah, and you know, I'm sure that after they're all turning, after they've all been turned into like 10 BB per 100 winners, that you know, it'll be way more exciting to like talk about who you are and, and kind of <laughs> add that pressure to yourself. They'll be ready for it then. Yeah, I right now it it just doesn't bring very much to the table. But like over time, you know, we will, you know, I'll talk to them. We'll have frank conversations about whether or not they want to be talked about, whether or not that's something that like, you know is meaningful to them. And if it is, then yeah, we'll move forward. But I do want to, yeah, I want to keep the identity of the wolves, like kind of close to the vest for now, just because I, like I said, I just don't think it's, I don't think it, there's much to gain. Yeah. So, I mean, just to kind of cap off this intro, um, section of the episode, like, could you go a little bit into like what sort of poker players these guys were before wolves? Like, you said some of them are professional, some of them have day jobs, but like what, what kind of stakes were they playing? Were, were these guys, you know, winners, break-even players? Were they struggling to, to, to win at the stakes that they were playing? Or? So they were all playing 200 no limit, uh, except one who's playing 100 no limit. Collectively, they were around break-even, right? Like I think all five of them combined, um, although, you know, some of them were winning. I, I think the biggest winner was winning at like five or six BBs per hundred um, at 100 no limit before they moved up to 200 no limit. Uh, some guys are winning at two big blinds per hundred. Some are like break even over, you know, a 100K sample. So it's kind of, kind of a mix, but for the most part, like collectively kind of breaking even winning one or two BBs per hundred. Oh, I think, yeah, I mean, I think they're being a mix and, and kind of just the... Uh... The wolves sort of not being uh, crushers like right from the get go. Like as soon as they applied, I think that's probably like you know give some hope to like a lot of potential applicants and people who are watching this and, and maybe hoping to join the CFP in the future. That like okay, like you don't have to be a you know some crusher at the stake that you're playing. Like a lot of the guys who have joined um, you know in this first iteration were um, like you said they were collectively break even. So yeah, um, I mean I, I like problem solvers. I like people that can think through problems, solve them on the fly. Um, I like people who are not risk averse, um, people who can put money in the pot. You know, I think that's a, a big component of the Wolf program. We've talked about it many times before on Tactical Tuesday that like having somebody that can, you know, put money in the pot, it's a lot easier to kind of pull them back from the edge than to push somebody towards the edge that doesn't want to go there. Uh, when, you know, <laughs> collectively, you mentioned win rate, but I think like the way that the graph looked for each of the wolves collectively individually is like their red line was going like straight up pretty much. They're like all red line warriors and their showdown winnings were kind of going down, which is atypical. I think in, in poker, a lot of times the red line goes down and the showdown winnings go up. Um, so going back to what I said before, you know, red line going up is like, you're calling, <laughs> you're probably calling too much, uh, 
you might be bluffing too much. And those are issues that I think like, yeah, we can kind of rein in and just easier to kind of coach and communicate uh, versus again, like somebody that's just playing like very tight and is afraid to kind of just be at risk. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And, and yeah, it's definitely something that we've probably touched on multiple times uh, across tactical Tuesday episodes. And, and I'm sure you've talked about it with other podcast guests as well. Um, For sure. So I guess the question that everyone is probably dying to know is how did the first month go just, I guess, statistically, like, like how much money was won or lost? Um, no, yeah. just the black and white numbers. Yeah. So not good is the, the answer, right? Like that's the reality that I think they collectively lost two BBs per hundred. Um, uh, if I, yeah, they lost, it looks like about 10 buy-ins, um, after the first 70,000 hands uh, of them being in the wolf program, which, you know, was, I guess I have to frame the, or phrase this correctly. Like it was disappointing to me personally, not in the wolves, but more in like, wow, like it, they, they weren't just crushers overnight, you know, like there's, this is actually like quite a difficult problem to communicate and effectively have guys, you know, integrate, uh, new strategies, new ways of thinking into, you know, just in, into their games. And, and like, that's just, yeah, it's, it's a tough problem to crack. And so the results were not instantaneous. As a matter of fact, the first month, uh, one of the major lessons that I learned was that first of all, everybody was very excited about the program. Right. Um, so when I started talking to students when i made the podcast like when people started inquiring about joining and being a wolf uh, i asked them if they wanted to start in december or january because you know december's got a lot of holidays and yeah it just seemed like it would be easier to start in january and um everybody was pumped to start in december uh and i think what i didn't realize was that when you're flooded with information and you're trying to learn a bunch of new things while also, you know, watching all of the private coaching replays while also, you know, actively studying and learning different things that you haven't encountered before or trying to override existing information about how specific spots should be played um, and putting in like a lot of volume. I mean, it's kind of a recipe for kind of, for like overwhelm and yeah, I just think that like it was way too much, way too quickly. Um, so that was why this month on the fifth, I just asked all the wolves, you know, I, I, I guess a big part of it for me is like to be flexible and to kind of learn your lessons, right. Um, over time as you get more data and then iterate the process. So for me, um, on the fifth, I just asked everybody, Hey, do you, do you want to take a month to just learn and train um, and practice like execution and integrating uh, and then, you know, add a month to the back end of your contract? You have no volume goals this month. It's just about studying, learning, um, and then firing back up uh, in February. And four out of the five wolves took me up on it. Um, and like I said, you know, this should have been a part of the process uh, from day one. I just didn't realize how, just how important it would be. Yeah, yeah I definitely experienced um, 
some of those like early growing pains with the wool strategy as well. And we'll probably get into that. Like, well, well I mean, we'll definitely get into that towards the end of this, um, towards the end of this episode. But yeah, I, I, I think that was like, um, even for me, it was like the, the biggest lesson coming out of like the first month or so of, of trying to incorporate these strats was that like, there was just, there was a lot to, a lot to learn and a lot to process. And, and, um, you know, I almost can't imagine having to like do all the group, watch all the group coaching things and do all the other things that the wolves had to do on top of, you know, playing 20,000 hands and learning these strats at the same time. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely sympathetic towards the, the, the four wolves who needed a little bit of extra time to, to get these under their belt. Yeah. I mean, it, again, everybody was excited to get going. So we just kind of got going and then kind of realized like, Oh, uh, I think we skipped a step here. Let's go back and kind of just, yeah, just recalibrate and start again. Yeah. Um, you want to talk at all about like the one wolf who declined the month of studying and, and maybe why? Yeah. I mean, I don't really know why he declined the month of studying. Um, other than like, but I do. You do? Why then? Why? Why did you don't need too much money to stop playing? <laughs> well, yes. So he won in the first month, and things were going well, right? Like so, he did well in the first month. Um, and incidentally, which is is very interesting to me, this is one of the wolves that's not a professional poker player that does have a family and a job too, um, and didn't take the month off to study. Um, I mean. He was doing well over the first 11 days of January. I believe he's winning like 30 buy-ins at 200 no limit. Like he's just <laughs> kind of, yeah, he's just kind of like destroying worlds right now. Like kind of just crushing everything um, while every, all the other wolves are learning um, and integrating the strats. I, I think another part of it too is like, and this is an interesting puzzle to kind of solve is this specific wolf um, has been getting private coaching from me for over a year. He's bought all of the courses that I've released and really, really trusted me throughout the whole process. And so like a lot of his, the way that he thinks about poker, the way that he thinks about spots is kind of built on the foundation of like coaching with me and the courses that I've created. And so like whenever he's, was learning like the wolf strats. It wasn't like he was overriding existing things, you know, just different ways of thinking about poker than he'd encountered before. It was just sort of like a continuation of the way that he studied, the way he's thought about poker. So it was like a much more natural transition for him, which may or may not have been beneficial. But but I do think it's important to just say that like, yeah, the wolf program was a natural extension of everything that he was doing before. And so it, I think it does make a lot of sense that he, he was able to like just integrate and execute quite quickly. Yeah. 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 Also it's, I think it's important to note that like for at least in the one instance that we've seen of someone like becoming really comfortable with the strats and integrating them correctly, like it's absolutely, it's absolutely crushing the 200 and L pool on, on ignition. I mean, 30 buy-ins in, the first 11 days or whatever whatever you said for january that's that's it's a lot I mean, <laughs> that's, like, that's like obscene that's not just a lot that's that's a yeah. lot <laughs> I, i'm hesitant to you know it's it's like 13k hands right 12 or thirteen thousand hands it's 30 buy-in so like he he's he's crushing right and i'm i'm just like hesitant to celebrate you know until <laughs> we get like a larger data set and sample um but the outlook looks promising 
Yeah, it was doing really well last last month as well. So not just not just these thirteen thousand. It's it's true. Like just I, I I'm not a I'm not an early celebrator. You know, all I'm right, like right. Uh, just want I want to I want to see the data, um, and then I can kind of be like, okay, like I, I'm very I'm terrified of like ever resting um, or feeling uh, satisfied. I guess. All right. Well, I'm gonna do some early celebrating right now uh, <laughs> on this episode. Uh, uh, I guess first thing I'll check with you is like, is, was there anything else you want to talk about with the Wolves program before? Kind of no, I don't think so. I think experience? I think we covered covered a lot of it, and I think that like the audience probably wants to know about your experience because, you know, you you're crushing the games that you play in. Um, you, I believe your win rate's like seven or eight at one K and L, or it was. Um, seven or eight over like a, I don't know, what is it like 60, 80 K hand sample, something like that. Um, so like you're ha- very successful in the games and, you know, as one of my lieutenants, you're in the wolves program, um, kind of helping build out strats and yeah, give feedback and help the other wolves like answer questions and be a part of the group coaching and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, for somebody that was already successful and then introduced, to the wolf strats like let's talk about you know your journey over these last couple of months sure so my first kind of foray into like just playing these wolf strats and really making an attempt to integrate them i think i would say started at uh somewhere in the middle of november um like brad mentioned i'm not actually one of the wolves but i've been helping with the strategy development and um you know a little bit with like the coaching here and there um so I got a little bit of a head start um, on the strategies because I was helping create them. So I started in the middle of November and really, really, really struggled to sort of change my game to like match these strategies where I just didn't have like a good feel for like really what I was doing holistically. And so I was just kind of taking a lot of like piecemeal stuff and like, okay, on the flop, I do this on the turn. I do this on the river. I do this without really thinking about like, how does my flop action, you know, affect things that I do on the river. Um, Things like that. And so uh, I would say for a month and a half, so all of December and, and the second half of November, um, I struggled a lot. I think I lost like 17 buy-ins straight, which was like 17K for me. Just like, it just hurt a ton. Especially just like ending the year off like that felt so just, ugh, just like gross. Like I was like, oh my God, like I was killing it this year. And like now I'm like adding these upgrades to my game and I've just totally, you know, punted off like a month and a half of, of you know, of work or like win rate. Um, so I took the first couple of days of 2022 off and just sort of, uh, tried to regroup and set like a strategy or plan for myself to get better at, at doing these strats. Um, I think starting, uh, sometime early in January, the first few days of January, I decided to drop down to 500 zoom and just use that as like a training ground basically for learning these strats and, and getting practice for executing these strats. And I think that actually was a really, really good idea. And, and it ended up being something that I suggested to like, uh, the rest of the wolves that like maybe dropping down and playing like smaller stakes than you're used to, but getting like tons more hands per hour, um, at the zoom pool might be a good way to practice, you know, recalling these strats and using them. Um, and so since I believe January 3rd, um, I've been playing Zoom and some 500 reg tables. Um, it worked like the strats worked really well at Zoom. So I started uh, integrating some reg speed six max tables at 500 um, and 
things went really well there. So now I'm slowly starting to get back into like the 1K streets and and um, I'm using these strats uh, at 1K so far successfully, but it's over a tiny, tiny sample, like over the last few days, basically. Um, and I don't know if you want to show my results over like the last sure. two and a half weeks or so. Yeah. Yeah, it's just been, I mean, it's just been like an absolute dream. Um, like the podcast listener, you know, we can just talk about it. Your red line's pretty flat, which isn't really a thing for you. Um, that's actually like, I mean, it's probably like one of the most unexciting things about this entire picture. Like, I think like the people will probably have to see like the BBs per hundred or whatever and be like, oh, wow, that's like, that's pretty cool. But like, honestly, the thing that I'm most excited about is the red line in this graph, which is like, basically break even it's just a straight line from left to right um which is a huge huge upgrade for me um you know even like my winningest months i had like negative sloping red line um have had like negative sloping red line for you know my entire online career um and so yeah i'm i'm really really excited to see that like these strats have have uh, helped a lot with that yeah and i can't really see the combined bb per 100 here in this like 15k yeah. hand sample over the last yeah the last couple uh, of weeks 17.6 uh, 17.6 um and that ringing endorsement of getting crushed for a month and a half <laughs> in the beginning right like following that like what it, what has changed um over the last couple of weeks do you think uh, it's going to sound it's going to sound very vague but i'm just like have a better understanding of the strategies just from like top to bottom, like holistically, like I understand like the big picture plan now when, I, when I'm playing a hand and I'm, it's not just like, oh, okay, I have this hand on this street, which means I should do, you know, do this action, um, which is how I was playing like the first month and a half. Uh, other than that, like it's, it's uh, without giving the strats away, it's, it's a little bit tough to, <laughs> to like talk about like what I'm doing differently, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure as people can tell from the red line, like I'm, I'm calling more, I'm bluffing way more than I used to. Um, just kind of strategically, I would say those are the two biggest changes to, to my game that I've made. Like I'm, I'm calling rivers and bluffing rivers significantly more than I've, I've ever done before. Yeah. So basically you, you just have like a better understanding. You're more comfortable in the execution side, right? Where yeah. as, as before, you know, and we talked about this too, and I think it's like just breaking even at poker, right? It is kind of good, right? It's not, it's not a bad place to be like as a poker player. Um, because like when you're dealing with rake and, you know, the blinds and all of these things, like just being a break even player is like not a bad place to be. And so like trying to upgrade or in your case, go from like eight BBs to like 12 BBs, right? Like any, actually any sort of increased in big blinds per hundred for you is like quite significant to your yearly um, results. Like just two big blinds. I mean, that's 25% more uh, income at the end of the year, like just going from like eight to 10. But like, I know the, I think the danger is in just kind of like throwing out everything that you know about poker and like trying to like replace it with something else. When the reality is like, if you're breaking even or you're slightly winning, like, you know, quite a bit about poker already, you've got a foundation. Um, and we don't just have to like crack that foundation and throw it, um, off a bridge. We're just going to take what you know, and then give you upgrades that will help you 
go from a break-even player to, you know, a five or 10 big blind for a hundred winner. And I mean, ultimately that's my goal, right? Is for every single wolf to be a 10 big blind per hundred winner at whatever stake they play, which is quite an ambitious goal. Um, but it is my goal. So yeah, I mean, and again, you know, like I said, in that first month and a half, like we're learning, we're in the learning phase. Right. And, and this is something like over time will change and we can go back to even you, you were in the first class of preflop bootcamp, right? The very first one yeah. where it was $99. Uh, the day of the launch, I realized a software that I was going to use didn't need, didn't do the thing that like I needed it to do, which threw a total wrench in how everybody was going to study, how people were going to learn and how people were going to grow over the course of that. I think the first iteration was like even five days. It wasn't seven days. And so when my resources kind of were lacking, right? Where it was like, oh, great. Like, so now what do I do, right? It, it was kind of, okay, like I have to take responsibility here for this program and I'm going to will everybody to learning these strategies and spent, you know, something like, I mean, I don't even know how many hours I spent that week just quizzing people, um, asking questions, helping people learn and grow their preflop strats. It was a lot of time. I know that much. It was something that like, is unsustainable um, <laughs> for preflop bootcamp over the long run, but like it had to work. I had to make that program successful. It was just like, yeah, there was just no other alternative for me. And it's the same thing here with wolves where, you know, in the beginning, um, some things are going to happen that are unforeseen, right? The only way that you can kind of see these problems is by going through the process and finding them as they come up which means that like over this past, yeah, over this past couple of months, um, you know, the podcast listener probably recognizes there's been less CPG episodes every week, right? Like there's been, um, less tweets. If you follow me on Twitter, like I haven't tweeted much. I haven't, um, been releasing a ton of episodes because like this program has been all consuming to me. It, it is like, I, go to sleep at night, I wake up, I think about this program 24 hours a day. How do I help these guys? How do I will this program to be successful? Um, and I think that like, that's just what is going to happen for these first five wolves over the first probably three to four months of the program. And then as resources get built out, as things become automated, as like I kind of understand the right buttons to press and the right sequence for future wolves to take, um, then I'll be less involved, you know, then I, I won't be investing as much energy in the program because it won't be necessary. Like, you know, I still do the private coaching. I still do the group coaching. And then for the most part, a lot of things are just already in place for the new wolves. So yeah, that, that's sort of how I think about this program right now is like, um, the guys who are in it are getting a lot of my energy. Most of my working energy are going into these guys, um, whether it's just messaging them and asking like, how, how are you doing? Like any questions, like any, anywhere you're struggling and then hopping on like an impromptu call and meeting with them for an hour, right? Like that's just not going to happen um, six months from now, but it, but it will today. So anyway, that that's sort of how I'm that's the experience of wolves for me thus far and sort of how I anticipate things moving in into the future. I think that's a really good analogy comparing it to preflop bootcamp and like the struggles that you experienced in the first iteration um, with just setting up the program and having it run smoothly. Um, so yeah, I, I think 
I think that's a really good perspective to have um, going forward is that, you know, these are just the early growing pains of, of running something like this for the first time. And, and the next time it'll be smoother and, and a lot less work on your yeah. end. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just, that's sort of the nature of things, right? We don't, you know, when I launched the program, I, I think I said in the first episode that like, there's going to be problems that I don't foresee. And yeah. we, we just have to deal with those when they, when they happen. And I think the trick is that like experiencing problems and resolving them as quickly as possible and then iterating and doing better moving forward. And like over time, we kind of eliminate a lot of those problems just because we've experienced them before. But like, systematically trying to resolve the same problem over and over again. I think that's, that's not a, uh, that, that's, that's not a good system of operations, right? It's just like, and some problems are quite difficult. Like some problems take a lot of energy and a lot of effort, right? Like, um, creating this poker factory where somebody comes in, goes through it and comes out the other side is like a 10 big blind per hundred crusher is not a simple problem to solve And it's not easy, but yeah, it's been a very fulfilling and rewarding challenge thus far. And, um, you know, hopefully next month and the month after when I have a larger data set for the wolves to share, um, yeah, we'll have a sexy looking graph with, you know, well, well over a hundred thousand hands. Um, and things will be kind of op operating seamlessly. Yeah, I hope so. I think, Maybe a little bit biased by my own recent experience, but I really do think and hope that we're kind of turning the corner when it comes to like at least these first five wolves kind of really getting the strats down and feeling good about using them every day. Yeah, and I mean, like to be fair, and I think that like a cynical, a cynical person, right, could be like, oh, like look at John's graph. You know, that's like 15k hands. He's just on like a sick heater, right? Like he just ran is running super well right now, whereas like in November, December, he was just running, running bad or below average or whatever. Right. So like really having the larger data set. And I think, I think that people from the outside should be cynical, honestly, uh, about a program like this. I, I think that you should, um, be suspicious because it is quite a difficult challenge. And, um, yeah, I, I think though now in the middle of January, as we're recording this episode, um, I'm pretty hopeful that the end result is going to be exactly what I envisioned. And yeah, over time, yeah, now it's just on, on me and on the wolves to kind of prove that. Yeah. Hopefully next time we make record one of these podcasts, we'll, we'll have some, uh, really good news to share. Well, I can be damn sure, uh, that um, the one wolf who's running right now is going to have a nice looking graph at the end. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah. at the end we'll of just the show day. his and pretend that that's, that, that's the aggregate of all five. <laughs> oh! <laughs> yeah, like he's, he's destroying it right now. So like I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's going to have a sexy graph. Um, but yeah, I mean, two, I, like, yeah, it's hard to, I can't prove it, but like, I do feel like over the past few weeks, there's been a bunch of different breakthroughs, um, that will, yeah, be reflected in the wolves results over time, including like, you know, your own, um, breakthrough, right? Like, and like I said, we don't have a massive data set, but like you can speak to the comfortability level of like November, December, and then how you felt the last couple of weeks in January. I'll just make a big data set and show everybody in a couple of months. Yeah, just wait, guys. Go. 
<laughs> yeah, and John's going to be putting in more volume than probably any of the other wolves. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get the data set sooner rather than later. Um, Way easier to put in volume when you're winning, by the way. Another thing. <laughs> it's, it's easier to get myself to play when, when things are going well. Yeah. Um, anything else before we close down this episode of the Wolves? No, that's it for me. I think. All right. Hopefully, we'll have. I don't know. We'll, you want to do this like every month or something? I do. I do. I, I think like it's just good to give a rundown of of how the program's going. Um, and for the record, too, uh, cpgwolves.com is where you submit your application. Um, and until. Yeah, it'll probably not be until March 1st that I start doing interviews with potential wolves and then um, like April before, you know, the wolves, the, the new wolves actually get in there and start going to war because, uh, yeah, if I've learned one thing, um, that month of onboarding and learning is quite essential to to the program. So, yeah, that's all I got for now. Well, see you next month. see you next month thanks for listening to chasing poker greatness you can subscribe on apple podcasts or on your favorite podcast app go to chasingpokergreatness.com to get the newsletter join the greatness village community book a coaching session or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses follow the show on twitter at CPG Podcast.